Hello, everyone. You have been posing a matrix. This is Dave. I'm doing another solo show. It's the 26th of August, 2020, and it's approximately 11.07 Pacific time in the evening, or 23.07, however you want to look at it. Um, I just uh, was thinking about things tonight. See, my problem is I think too much. I The world doesn't like thinkers. The world likes people that follow along like sheep. And the only shepherd that I have is Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ. Um, he's the only shepherd I answer to, they should say. And the only shepherd I really care about. All the other ones are false shepherds. And um, this government and uh, science and everybody else in this world, they're trying to enforce themselves on us as shepherds. And they have no right to do that. So... It's up to you and me and others to fight against their forced shepherding and to say, no, we are mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. There's a movie where uh, years ago, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but the uh, the guy that was um, on the radio show, or might have been a television program, and he says, get up, go to your windows, open up your windows and yell out, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> Then they flashed on the neighborhood, and you could hear it echoing through the streets of New York City. It was kind of funny, actually. But uh, evidently, they did take it anymore, and they're still taking it, as we all are, taking it in a short, so to speak. So, um, the name of the show tonight is um, A Shot in the Arm is Worth Two in the Chest. <laughs> and uh, um, It's uh, kind of a, a metaphor. Um um, I'd really be surprised if this show, when it gets on YouTube, remains on YouTube because YouTube is one of those people that's trying to assert their shepherding over us. And uh, once they hear the content, it, it might be gone, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, they can take it off of YouTube, but they can't, can't take it off of everywhere. And there's a new site. Um, it's called Band Video, I do believe. Let me look and see real quick here. Because they do have, uh, yeah, Band Video. B-A-N-N-E-D dot V-I-D-E-O. If you typed it into um, a search engine, or if I think if you go .com on that, you'll get to it. And uh, they're basically putting on everything that YouTube's taken off. So it's a, it's a godsend. It's a really good site, and I think that it uh, more of us should be going there. More of us should be posting our stuff on there. I've posted a few videos that they've taken off, and I'm encouraging guys like Jim Wilhelmson to do the same thing. Put it on there. It'll never go away. Really rub some salt in her wound, you know. Um, I was thinking about Bill Gates today and how he's not a doctor, but he's practicing medicine. Um, I'm not a doctor either. I'm a nurse, but if I were to practice medicine, I would have my license yanked. But I guess I don't have, you know, uh, $460 billion in the bank, so I'm not an influence on anybody, and I really don't matter. So... And that he probably has more than 460. I think they said he's approaching. Uh, he's approaching being a trillionaire, one of the first trillionaires there ever was. So, um, and if his um, vaccine little scandal goes through, little scam, his uh, pandemic is a success, then uh, he just may be that trillionaire, the first one. But Billy Boy, you can't take it with you, and your money's no good in hell. So. Um, we have to ask our question, um, when you go to the doctor, are you seeing science or are you seeing payday protection? And what do I mean by that? Um, 
<laughs> how, look at how it goes. You know, where do they say you got to follow the money, honey? Right. <clears throat> so, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I got to do. There is this video that is just like totally awesome. And there's this guy in Italy. And I'm afraid that I might have lost it. Oh, no, I didn't lose it. Hold on a second. I don't think you guys can hear this. It's in Italian anyway, so you probably wouldn't understand it. I can understand it a little bit. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to play this video, and I'm going to read the subtitles, and I'm going to might have to slow it down a little bit if because uh, he's uh, I understand a little bit of, of slow Italian um, being of that extract and having grown up in an Italian neighborhood, but um, and, and, and Spanish is so much like Italian that, you know, it's sometimes I can pick up a little bit of that, but um, <clears throat> this guy is talking like he's talking to Italians in Italy and it's just like you and I talking right now, you know, I'm speaking a little fast and if somebody in Italy was listening to me, he'd, he'd be going, hey, hey, what what do you say? What do you say? You know, uh, so anyway, um, this doctor, uh, the name of the video, it says Doctor's Warning Against Vaccination, um, is what I typed in. Uh, COVID-19, get the latest information. So you, okay, never mind, never mind. Italian doctor, COVID-19 means program of mass extermination. Please make it viral. And we'll just base the whole show on this, okay? So uh, he, he starts out by saying there is a document, which I'm about to read to you. I'm going to pause it as the they come up which not only must you disseminate 0.10, but take a note of it. And he says again, but take a note of it. The media, television, politics are never going to release what I'm about to read to you. This is getting good already, right? Kind of like cloak and dagger, but he looks like a very honest Italian doctor. And if I lived in Italy, I would want this guy to be my doctor. Well, anyway, here we go. Okay, Italians, pay attention. COVID-19 means the certification of identification of vaccination with artificial intelligence. Ooh, where have we heard that before, right? We've heard that. Maybe there might be nanobots or something in this injection. Um, I don't think this doctor's a crank. I think he's right on. Let's go on here. I'm sorry if there's um, spaces in between, but it takes a while for him to read and and uh, let's see what he's, he continues. He's reading, he's reading kind of slow, actually. Okay, here we go. And 19 is the year in which it was created, which is true. COVID-19 is not the name of the virus. Pay attention. It is rather the name of the international plan for the control and reduction of populations, which has been developed over the last decades and launched in 2020, which reactivates the virus is the immune ground in which it finds itself, weakened by former vaccinations. It looks like something got passed up here. Weakened by former vaccinations. Weakened by former vaccinations. What they intend to inject inside of us. That's what we, that went really fast. 
It's going to be the most terrible vaccine of all. It is a literally descent into hell with the aim of a massive depopulation of over 80% of the population. Do not take the test. The tests are not reliable. I have always said that it, I've always said it and will repeat myself, just like the many test producers also affirm, none of the tests are able to accurately detect the SARS-CoV-2 virus. They only detect an infinity of small harmless viruses and cell debris. I love Italian. Which are naturally already part of our microbiota. The people tested will increasingly appear positive in tests. About 90%. This is their goal, and that is why they are starting to test the process with children. Only on May 11th, May the 11th, no television, nor newspaper, or Italian Berlusconi broadcast, he's, he's relating it to be with the government, announced that in France, mass testing was being imposed on all schools. They were about 700,000 tests every week. However, nobody unfortunately broke this news. So once your child gets screened, the whole family and all immediate contacts will be forced to be screened. Please atten attention, Italians, listen. Do not listen to the charlatans, the ignorant, who reject the truth. I remind you that we are not sick. We are, on the contrary, just healthy carriers of the virus. Having the virus does not necessarily mean that you are sick. You are healthy and fine. But everyone will still appear. Pay attention, positive, in all the tests. In fact, they make you repeat the test two to three times. All public faculty members, especially in the... Oh, well, this guy's going too fast. Interesting. In fact, they make you repeat the test two to three times. All public facility employees, comma, especially the healthcare sector, especially the healthcare sector, take the test every month. All they need to obtain, all they need to obtain is this, comma, make everybody believe that they are sick, bring positive means being labeled so, being labeled so harmful, comma, I wish I could show this. Pay attention, Italians. Listen to me. Refusing the detection of the virus is the only the key to avoiding being vaccinated. Once the vaccinated, we will be severely sick and weakened, and we will certainly be led towards our death. Refusing the detection of the virus is the only key to avoiding, avoid being vaccinated. See how it works, how it's working? Once vaccinated, we'll be severely sick and weakened. He's saying it again. And we will certainly be led towards our death. The only one solution to save our humanity, but above all to save us Italians, it is to make people truly understand that they should not be tested. You know, it's funny how they talk about, oh, Trump's a nationalist. He's a na This guy is speaking to Italians about Italy and for Italians. So looks like this guy's a nationalist in Italy, huh? I think there's nationalists everywhere. It's just that the lefts don't like to like to believe it. Do not get yourself tested. Do not give them what they lack of and do not fall into their trap. 
<clears throat> this guy is smart. He is really, really smart. I'm telling you this because at least you won't be able to say you haven't been warned. I'm sending this to everybody, by the way. COVID-19 means program mass extermination. Don't get yourself tested. It's the only way to save yourself. On television, these bastards don't even and won't even tell you the truth. Also, politicians behave completely dishonestly. Nevertheless, the health deputy minister is himself a doctor. Colleagues, you must... Colleague, he's a medical colleague. You must only and deeply be ashamed of yourself. He's rebuking the... Um, most non-vaccinated people will cease to exist for society. You'll say that's what we're going to talk about tonight anyway. Okay. You will not be able to travel without a vaccine. You will not be able to go to the cinema. And in the future, you won't even be able to leave your own house. This is a revelation a little bit, doesn't it? Can't buy or sell or trade. Interesting. This is already happening in some Chinese cities. And Spain is one of the main test driver countries, along with Argentina and all of Latin America countries. Everything has already set up and activated in all companies and mass and media for mass vaccination. Isn't that funny? They can't, they don't have ventilators, but they have it all ready to go with the vaccinations. Incredible. I will prefer death, absolutely, not vaccination. My goodness. I salute you. And it ends. I just wonder how long it's going to be till this guy meets with an untimely death. But he said he's ready. He'd rather take death over the vaccination. That's a doctor talk to you, folks. He'd rather die than take the vaccination. So, anyway, that's just one vaccination that, you know, that we have to put up with uh, their scads of other ones too. So um, anyway, I got to look at my notes here. I was always taught that uh, medicine was science. Science operates on scientific method. And scientific method means that things have to be proven. They have to be replicated in a, in a, um, in a laboratory not just once, but many times, so that it can be proven that it's a it's a it's a thing that actually happens. Okay, that's why evolution is a bunch of garbage. It can never be replicated. It can never be brought into a laboratory and reproduced. So I mean, the only way they can do that is to make chimeras or chimeras and um, freakish-looking animals. But you know, it's it's being made. It's not a, a natural selection. It's not a natural process. So. Um, although they'd like you to think so. So anyway, um, so what are what are some examples? Um, science, I love, I love real science. I really do. Because if science is true, if science is pure, if science does not have an agenda, a political agenda or a scientific agenda or a um, atheistic agenda, because a lot of it's atheism, it'll almost always point back to the creator, okay? Newton knew that, Da Vinci knew that, um, all the old uh, scholars knew that, except uh, these younger guys think now that they know everything, and 
Um, and so what are some examples? Okay. Um, let's look at the A1C test. I know I've talked about this before online and on the radio show. But let's talk about it again. A1C Oh, well, let me tell you a little story. We went to, my wife went to see a doctor. I can't remember what kind of doctor, but he was a real nice guy. He was an old guy of German extract. He even spoke with a German accent, um, more like a barbarian accent. You can tell where different people come from in Germany, just like you can tell where English people come from. And, or you can tell if a person's Canadian or from the United States because of different words and how they say them. Anyway, um, so we were talking one day. And um, and I said, and I brought up the subject of A1C. Now, A1C is the test that supposedly can tell you if you're pre-diabetic. Or if you're diabetic, it can tell you if you're getting better or worse or whatever. The premise with A1C is that, uh, well, first of all, A1C, the, the test was, um, the reason that the doctor was so pissed off with the test is that he didn't like pharmaceutical companies. And this guy just, you know, warmed the cockles of my heart when I was talking with him. I wish I could have just sat down and um, I, I don't drink alcohol, but I would have went to a bar with him and, you know, and had some ginger ale and, and just had a nice talk with him. I think it would have been really neat. It's the kind of guy you'd really want to pick his brain, but he's also the kind of guy you only see once and you never see again. Well, we were alone with him in, in the exam room and I brought up the thing about A1C and he got a little angry. And he said that, that it was the pharmaceutical companies that came up with the A1C test. Um, and why would pharmaceutical companies do that? Well, they sell medicine. They want to put you on medicine. So anyway, um, the premise behind A1C is that your blood cells store oxygen. Okay. And they store, and, and they store um, sugar also. That's what A1C is all about. Um, and over... Their, their premise is that your blood cells live roughly 90 days and then they're, they die and they're either eliminated by your liver, your pancreas, and your body makes new uh, blood, red blood cells to replace them. Your body is like a fantastic machine that, uh, or almost like a city that, um, that does wonders. And, and it again proves that we were made and not, not, uh, or we were created and not, um, didn't happen through mutations and uh, countless mutations. Um, anyway, he said that, um, well, and I know because I've read that uh, their premise is that uh, over a period of 90 days, uh, your cells live. And in that 90 days, they accumulate so much sugar uh, on the cell. And so what they do is they look at the sugar on the cell and they determine how much sugar you've taken in and, they can determine how much, um, supposedly, I'm, I'm going to use that word a lot tonight. They supposedly can determine how much um, sugar intake you've had over the past 90 days. There's a big problem with this. Okay, you want to know what that problem is? The problem is that your blood cells actually live, if pretty healthy, 120 days. So what's that, 90, 100, that's 30 days longer than the people that, run or develop the A1C, uh, 30 days longer than they say your cells live. Okay, so <clears throat> let's just say you or I, you know, we're going through our lives and, you know, we we, we eat a normal American diet maybe um, 
uh, maybe we'll go out for pancakes and uh, I don't use syrup, but maybe you do. Um, or, you know, put, you put sugar in your coffee. I, I don't prefer that. I, I like sweet and low, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> You're going, ooh, God, you sweet and low. It causes cancer. Well, prove that to me, and I'll, I'll maybe believe it, but I've been using it for years and years and years. And, yes, I did have colon cancer, but uh, I attribute that to Zantac, and that's a whole other thing. But, anyway, um, so, you know, you're going for 120 days, and you're eating your normal intake, taking in sugar normally and everything. And you go to the doctor, and you take the A1C test, and the doctor says, ooh, your A1C is above, oh, what is it, 5.7, I think. Your A1C is above 5.7, and that means that you're pre-diabetic. And he's saying that under the assumption that you've gotten that sugar in the last 90 days, where in effect you've had that sugar over the past 120 days because your cells lived that long, right? So the test is measuring for 90 days, but your cells are 120 days old. So the test is an error right there. So... You look at it and you go, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta subtract some from that A1C. You gotta subtract 30 days worth, you know, or thereabouts, because um, you didn't take in that much sugar in 90 days. You took it in in 120. So the, the test is false, and a lot of people are being told that they're pre-diabetic when they're not actually not. I think I did the math one time because I think mine was um, like six point. Um, 6.1 or something like that. And when I did the math, because um, there is a formula that you can work out, I, I have lost that formula and I'd have to do it again. But um, I really had more like a um, a 5.2, which makes me way down below pre-diabetic. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> now there's one faulty test that they use, okay? Um and I'm just going by some of the things that <clears throat> I've had happen in my life because I was there and I'm, I'm a good evidence and um, I'm, my testimony should be true, right? Um, back in, um, oh, I'll tell you this, this is a funny thing. Um, <clears throat> before we, we have a, a medical, uh, we have excellent um, coverage when it comes to medical. I, I work for a, a state entity and and uh, they offer really good benefits, and that's one of the reasons why I put up with what I put up with, uh, because the um, benefits are so good. Um, matter of fact, uh, with the, the medical service that we have, I've had people that work there to tell me I have better service than they do, and they work there. So um, anyway, that just goes to tell you that <laughs> I'm resolute in working where I am until the day I retire. Um, okay. Yeah, let's see. I've got a list here. I've got to go losing. Okay, we had this before. We I got this job. We had a um, a different medical plan. We had it through my wife, who worked at a as a as an instructor and a program director at a a trade college or a trade school down in Eugene, which is no longer in in business. And if if you had ever had to deal with the people that ran that place, you would you would feel good that they're out of a job, but you feel bad for your co-workers and the students that got totally, um, they had it put to them. Let's just put it that way. But um, anyway, so we used to go to this doctor, and um, I prefer Jewish doctors, and 
simply because they Jewish doctors tend to work harder for their money. Um, and I've never, uh, I was born, the, the doctor when I was born was Jewish. The doctors we had you know, when I was a kid were Jewish and, um, <clears throat> and everything always worked out just fine. I mean, they operated under real science. Okay. And, uh, and everything was fine. So anyway, so go to this doctor and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the last one to say that I'm healthy, but, um, I'm going to be the first one to say also that um, I wasn't, <clears throat> although I, they would label me as obese, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> I, um, I never have any ill effects because of it, and I've been that way most of my life. Okay? But we went to this doctor, and my wife used to laugh at me because I'd go to him and I'd come back. And, I mean, if I had a wart on my foot, the guy would tell me, if you lost weight, that would probably go away. You know, or if, um, anything, anything that I went in there for, if you lost weight, you know, that would probably go away. <laughs> it's like I'd come home and I'd complain. And then one day she went in there for something. I don't remember what it was, but and he looked at her and said, well, you're, you know, you're a little overweight. And if you lost weight, that would probably go away. And then when I had a chance to laugh and we walked out. Um, but uh, that guy's solution to everything was losing weight. Okay. Um, it's just like a lot of, uh, uh, charismatics in, in the Christian realm. You know, you, you talk to them and everything's a demon hiding under a rock, you know? Uh, you know, I, I ran a red light. Well, it was a demon. He, he made that light turn red before it was supposed to, you know, I, I know that's a drastic illustration, but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if one of them said that. Um, and I don't like to knock charismatics, but I'm a Pentecostal, you know, I believe in the gifts of the spirit and, uh, but I don't believe in, in uh, telling God what he needs to do. I, I'd rather allow him to do what he wants to do, and there's a big difference. Um, so anyway, that was the uh, losing weight doctor, okay? Um, here's another example. I uh, Back in the early 2000s, like right around 2000, I... Um, I decided to go on a low-carb diet. I figured, well, I'm going to give it a try. You know, I like to eat meat. You know, I like, um, you know, I, I could I could go down on eating steak all the time and hamburger and bacon. Well, not bacon. That's a bad example. Um, but a lot of different things, you know. So I, I went on this diet and I lost a lot of weight. I lost 50 pounds. And I go, excuse me, I go to the doctor. Do oh, well, that's not a healthy diet. You shouldn't be on that diet. It's not good for your heart. I kept on it anyway. I really didn't care. I lost the weight and I felt better. All my lab values were coming back normal for a change. Um, I, you know, I, I could walk faster, walk longer, um, run if I had to and stuff like that. And, and so the evidence that was being exhibit, exhibited in my life and in my health was good enough for me to tell me that this diet was okay. Okay. So I kept it up for about three or four years, and then I realized that, you know, I I should probably go off of it. There there were a couple of things that concerned me. I was falling down every once in a while for really no reason. Um, and uh, I noticed that my AFib was kicking up every once in a while. So I got off the diet, and my AFib stopped. Um, you know, I, I, the PVC stopped, I should say, and then... I, the manifestation of AFib 
basically went away. It only came back about once every three or four years uh, for a very short period and then went away again. So anyway, um, years go by and, you know, I, I'm married to my first wife and she passes away and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, and um, then, you know, after a year mourning, I met my present wife, Barbara. You've heard me talk about her. She's the love of my life. Um, we, uh, so I moved up to Eugene, Oregon. We don't live there anymore. Oh, thank God. Talk about a cesspool. Well, we had the, um, the cesspool guy out today. We got to get it pumped. And I immediately thought of Eugene. Um, <clears throat> anyway, and if you're, if you're a Christian or a good person living in Eugene, don't couch yourself into that. Okay. It's just, um, it's, it's Portland junior and it's, it's not a good place. I, I would never live there. Um, I think uh, they, they're the capital of uh, elect Biden stickers. And uh, that, that tells you a lot right there. Anyway, um, so I, I moved up here and I got this job and uh, we, we started using, uh, we use Kaiser. And uh, <clears throat> so I went to my first doctor's appointment, you know, for a checkup and everything. And and uh, I asked him about low carb, fully expecting him to tell me that it was a terrible thing to go on. Don't do it. Instead, I got, well, you know, the new research in, and you'll always hear that, the new research in, which means that somebody received a grant and that their grant proved that, or the, the research from their grant proved that they, uh, that low carb is okay. So anyway, oh no, it's a very good diet. I'm on my, my, myself and I've lost a whole bunch of weight and, and I would tell anybody to go on this diet, you know, so yeah, by all means, go on it. <laughs> so I went on it, and then you know the AFib thing started up, and and didn't fall. Um, but um, I'm like, you know what? I, I would rather live a little overweight and not have to worry about my heart chucking a blood clot into my brain or into my lung or whatever. And um, and then to to have the the uh, the PVCs and the AFib all the time. So. <clears throat> And as the doctor told me, the uh, the risks outweigh the benefits outweigh the risks. Okay, so <clears throat> because I'm going to get to that. <laughs> so anyway, it used to be low carb bad. Now it's low carb good. Okay, you hear your doctor talk. Oh well, you know you got a lot of fat. You need to lose it. You know, or you're you're reasonably um, obese. You need to lose it, and you'll feel better. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Back in uh, 2017, you know, being that I'm, I was over 60 at the time, actually I was approaching my late late 50s, and um, I was 58, I guess. And anyway, um, so I went and, and had the uh, the dreaded colonoscopy, and the doctor came in. I was I wasn't expecting anything. Well, see, I, I went for a reason. I, I went because I felt like I had a um, an ulcer. And I wanted to rule that out. Actually, I wanted to be told I had an ulcer, and those are easy to fix. Um, but instead, uh, they did an upper GI and a lower and found out that I had colon cancer. And, um, you know, he said that, uh, you know, that we need to get this out as soon as possible because it looks like it's advanced. And I said, okay, well, you set the date. I'll be here. And, um, and they did. They, they set the date quite quickly. 
Well, the, the, the surgeon that I had was, it was a lady and, um, evidently she's got two different personalities because she would treat me with, oh, respect and talking to me real nice. But when she talked to my wife, she would complain about me and my health. And, uh, so, uh, she did the surgery. They, they removed my ascending colon and, uh, just tied everything back together again, um, so, which has made life very interesting, by the way, ever since then. But I'm cancer-free, praise the Lord. And, and um, but she went in and told my wife, oh, yeah, well, you know, I had to work around all that fat and blah, blah, blah. And, and if you were to look at me, I'm proportionally, I'm, you know, I'm not that big for my size, okay? Um, everybody tells me that, you know. Oh, you don't look fat, you know. Yeah, you got a little gut, and that's it. But anyway, so this doctor, oh, yeah, I had to work around, well, um, I came to find out that, uh, the cancer had perforated my bowel a little bit and it was growing into the fat. Now that's a good thing. Okay. Cause fat does not have blood cells in it or uh, excuse me, blood vessels in it. It's just, it's just there. It just exists there. And, um, since it didn't have blood vessels in it, um, the cancer didn't have a chance to spread into, into the blood vessels and go to other parts of my body. So in essence, the fat that was in me that the, the cancer was growing into saved my life. Okay. So, yeah, put that down in your, your journals of your annals of science or medicine or whatever. Um, but anyway, this, this lady, you know, she was very difficult to deal with. You know, she's, I, I don't like it. You know, don't badmouth me in front of my wife. You know, if you think I'm a fat slob, tell me, you know, um, but don't treat me, you know, with respect and then go in and badmouth me to my wife. That's that's not good practice. It's it's gossip and it's uh it's unprofessional, very unprofessional. So anyway, um so let's see we did that, we did the little carm, uh did the cancer, did the A one C. Okay, now here's the one that <clears throat> has been recent and um I um had some kind of virus it, according to the medical profession it wasn't a it wasn't COVID I was tested and um, so that was good but something was going around I guess because I think other people had the same thing I was out of work for quite a while and um, so when I went back to work I noticed that when I walked up the stairs when I got to the top of the stairs I was out of breath I mean we're talking uh, asthma out of breath where you got to just stop for a minute and uh, try to catch your breath and everything else. And uh, I've been I've been using albuterol for the longest time an inhaler, you know. And to me, albuterol is a worthless drug unless unless you're using it in a um, um, in a mister. Uh, then it seems to go into your lungs and do something effective. But if you're just using an inhaler, it's to me it's worthless. So anyway. Um, so the doctor asked me, on, you know, he did a phone consult because you can't go see a doctor anymore because the people that have sworn to to take care of you are afraid of COVID, which, again, I have yet to see or hear about anybody that I know of or anybody that any of my friends know of that have had it and died from it or, you know, had it at all, actually. But um, that's another story for another day. But um so he says, well, are you using your albuterol inhaler? I said, yes, I use it, but I, you know, I'm very conservative with it. I said, because I know that 
it can excite my heart and put me in AFib. You know, I've actually had to do that. I had to put me into PVCs, which is kind of a precursor to AFib in my case. But anyway, um, so um, I told him that. And he said, oh, you should really be using it. I know it doesn't seem like it's doing you any good, but it really is. And, and that was a stupid statement because if you can't breathe and you use it and you still can't breathe, what is it doing, right? Um, he says, besides, you know, you got to the, uh, the risks or the benefits outweigh the risks. You know, in other words, you know, you'll be able to breathe, but you'll go into AFib and take the chance of chucking a blood clot into your heart, your head or your, um, your lungs. And I don't see any validity in that kind of thinking. But evidently this doctor did, and uh, I remember his name, and I will never see him for anything again. Um, so um, anyway, uh, let's uh, – oh, here's another one. Um, my father, back in uh, 1998 or 99, uh, went in for a second surgery. He had gone in like three years earlier. Uh, when he had gone in the first time, he had a uh, – um, a cyst on his pituitary gland, and they removed it. Well, it had grown back, and, um, and they were wondering if it was cancer or not. Well, the surgery was only supposed to last so long. It was very involved, too, because they had to go in. Uh, they had to have three doctors. They had to have an ENT surgeon there. They had to have a, a, this doctor, which was, you know, a, a brain doctor, um, brain surgeon. And, and there was another kind of doctor that was there, too. I can't remember what he was right now. But anyway... They all had to be there and participate in the surgery, so it was nothing light, you know. So they had to go up behind his, uh, behind his front lip and behind his nose, and then they had to crack his skull open a little bit, you know, cut it, and then go in and remove it. Well, what happened was is the guy nicked his uh, pituitary gland, the stem of it, and uh, caused him to have uh, something called diabetes insipidus, which is nothing like diabetes that you know of. Um, uh, diabetes insipidus basically is uh, a constant urination um, caused by a hormone that's released from the um, um, from the pituitary gland, and in this case, the nick had caused that to happen. Well, it got better after a little while, um, and you didn't need to have the bag or anything anymore. But anyway, um, it was a it was a comedy of errors, um, a tragic comedy. Um, he was in this place called UC Davis Med Center down in Sacramento and used to call it UCD. And I used to say that stood for you can die. Um, they, it's a, it's a hospital where they train people. So they would have doctors going in. Every time I went there, there was a different doctor and, and found out later that they were basically um, interns and uh, they were taking care of my dad who was in ICU. And I didn't like that. Well, anyway, he had uh, a, form of a form of meningitis he developed um, because they hadn't um, patched him up correctly and the meningitis uh, bug had gone to his brain, and that's basically what killed him at the end. But um, So while they had him in ICU, they tried him on medicine for bacterial meningitis. Then they tried him on something for uh, viral meningitis, um, which is really hard to treat. All meningitis are hard to treat because of the blood-brain barrier. It's something that you can look up if you want. Um, but uh, And I said, well, have you guys thought about maybe it's a fungal kind of meningitis? Because there is a fungal meningitis. 
I said, would you please just try him on a course of Daifu can for a few days to see what happens? And so somebody actually listened to me, and I couldn't believe it because I went in, and I would look at his chart. The nurses didn't like that, but um, I would go in and look at his chart, and it said Daifu can. It's, you know, it was an injection and, or a, a slow drip into by IV, and um, <clears throat> I kid you not, he actually looked like he was starting to improve. And then all of a sudden, I went in one day, and the chart said, discontinued Diflucan. And I said, what are you doing that for? I said, he seemed to be getting better. Well, the doctor disagrees with you. He wasn't getting better. He's getting worse. And I'm like, oh, geez, I should have, you know, he, he would have had a better chance with Dr. Mengele in Germany, I swear. Um, but anyway, uh, he ended up passing away. And uh, so... Again, we're we're talking about a doctor's business being a practice instead of a scientific uh, effort. Um, let's try this and see if it works. Let's try that. It reminds me of a mad cook or something in the kitchen. You know, oh, a pinch of this, a pinch of that. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, they had the, the, the tenacity to send me a bill <laughs> for some of his care, which uh, Medicare hadn't covered. And I sent it back with a little that said, you killed them. Isn't that enough? And I never heard from them again. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is my, my, my first wife who, um, you know, we, we went into our marriage with her having several medical issues. Um, and I knew about them all and I, and I accepted them and, you know, it was, nobody's perfect. And just some people are dealt more in life than others. And, um, and I was willing to, you know, put up with that. And, and being in, working in pharmacy at the time, I knew a little bit about medicine. So I <clears throat> I knew how to ask questions and, and things like that. And, and well, anyway, um, she had an out with her brother, who is a maxillofacial surgeon down in Mexico, of all places, because she was from Mexico. <clears throat> and supposedly he's a darn good one. But for some stupid reason that I don't even want to get into, because you'll, you'll go, no, that can't be right. Nobody would do anything like that, so I'm not going to go into it. But um, he decided he was, wasn't going to work on her and because um, she needed teeth and she needed implants and stuff like that. And so basically he just kind of cast her off to the four winds. And, um, uh, yep, well, he's in another country. I could probably use his name. But I won't because that's not the right thing to do. Anyway, um <clears throat> Well, his name is Javier. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I won't mention that he comes from Aguas Calientes. Oh, well, darn it! I mentioned it. Um, anyway, he uh, he de declined to work on her, and he was going to work on my teeth too, and declined to work on me because I guess I was married to her. Plus, she had left Catholicism and became a real Christian, and um, she was kind of shunned for that. So I think that she had that going against her. And uh, the wickedness of her brother is uh, is something that I've really never seen before. I've never, here in the, in the States, I've seen people treat their family badly, but this guy was, you know, he, he reached new heights of wickedness. Um, anyway, I uh, so she, uh, her teeth, you know, weren't the best in the world. Um, I've seen people worse, worse, worse teeth, but the hers are pretty bad. And... Um, since she didn't get the care from her brother, her uh, father called me one day and said, well, go see the dentist and see see how much it's going to cost, and I'll pay for you, for you and her to get your teeth fixed. And 
And I didn't have much wrong. I just needed a few things done. But so anyway, um, in the interim, <clears throat> she had uh, developed a bad tooth, and um, there turned out there was an abscess. And what I didn't know quite fully, and I do now, is that if you have an abscess, you don't touch that tooth until you've been on antibiotics for at least a week. Um, it gives the body a chance to fight it. It helps the body to, to build more antibodies to fight the, the infection. Um, when it comes to the mouth, uh, you don't mess around because uh, the mouth is real close to the brain, and infections can very easily go from the mouth to the brain and cause you lots of problems, including death. Um, so anyway, she went in on a Saturday or Friday um, and was given an antibiotic and then given an appointment to come in on Monday to have the tooth pulled. Uh, which should have never happened. They should have waited a week. But um, so anyway, uh, make a long story short, they pulled the tooth. And about uh, probably about a month later, maybe a little more, started complaining of a headache. And then pretty soon, they couldn't wake her up. Uh, brought her to the hospital. Um, it turned out that she, that the abscess that had been in her mouth had actually, um, some of it had uh, moved to her brain and caused an abscess and that had burst causing her to have meningitis. Uh, meningitis in my family do not have a good relationship together. Um, and subsequently, after about six days of um, going into a vegetative state, she passed away. Um, the weirdest thing happened, though, afterwards. You know, I, I was pissed. I was very angry. And I was trying to get her medical records. I, I consulted a, a lawyer about it. And I said, what do I do? You know, are they responsible for killing her? You know, and he says, well, get her medical records and look for anything that says staph or strep. And uh, so I got the medical records from Kaiser because we had Kaiser down there and um, scoured through them and couldn't find anything that said that. Um, and then I, I tried to get the medical records, her medical records from the, um, the dentist. I kept getting a runaround. Uh, first thing they did is they sent me a, uh, the medical records for a woman that I'd never met before, which was a ma major HIPAA violation. I should have reported them, and I didn't. Sometimes I'm too nice for my own good, too forgiving for my own good. Anyway, um, so I um, I waited and waited. One day I went in there, and I was, you know, I've, I'd had it, and I said, you know, I've been waiting about a month and a half now to get her medical records, and it should have, it should have only taken a week. Well, we've been waiting for the doctor to sign it. Well, I said, well, where is he? Did he go on vacation or something? Is he refusing to sign it? And here, you sent me the wrong medical records. And uh, so um, anyway, she uh, she says, oh, well, you didn't hear. And I said, no, what? She says, well, the doctor had an abscess in his back, and the abscess broke, and it almost killed him. <laughs> I can't. I don't know how to explain the feelings that I had. And, and you might think I'm a sick bastard for what I'm about to say. Um, but I vacillated back and forth within a matter of just a few minutes, probably about 30 times. Uh, one feeling that I was vindicated or that Lourdes had been vindicated because this guy went through the same thing and it almost took him out. And one of feeling sorrow and bad for the guy because, you know, even though he made a mistake, you know, I didn't want him to suffer. And and so I went to walk out the door, <clears throat> minus the medical. Oh, no, I had gotten medical records. That's right. 
and I couldn't make anything out of them. But anyway, I um, when I went out the door, I felt remorse for the doctor, but I was chuckling at the same time. And I truly felt like maybe I was coming down with a mental illness. I didn't. It was the weirdest thing. You know, feeling remorse and chuckling at the same time is, is the most bizarre thing. Um, and it's not like laughing at a wedding when you're nervous and you don't know how to act. It was it was the strangest thing. Well, I composed myself and then went home and I prayed about it. And I asked the Lord to help me to understand myself. And, and I realized that it was just uh, a mixture of emotions that had all come upon me at the same time. Um, okay. So... Let's talk about HMOs, and I think that there are other things, the PPO, Paid Preferred um, Organization or something like that. Well, an HMO means Health Maintenance Organization, and health, okay, your health, maintenance, which means maintaining an organization. So they're, they're an organization to help you to maintain your health, okay? Sometimes you got to wonder if they're, they're helping you to maintain bad health or, you know, or trying to help you to improve your health. Um, so, um, let's, let's just look at this vaccine because this vaccine, remember the doctor was talking and I was reading and, and the doctor was saying that, um, you know, if you don't take the vaccine, this is going to happen, this is going to happen and stuff. And I made a list of things that could happen. Well, if you belong to an HMO and you don't take the vaccine, they could say, they could say that you're not trying to maintain your own health. And they can cancel you. Think about it. You know, hey, you know, this vaccine was the best for him and he refused to take it. So if he doesn't want to maintain his health, we're going to we're going to give him the axe. Okay, that could very well happen, folks. And if you're on Obamacare, it could happen with that. It can happen with any kind of medical insurance that you have. That if you don't take this vaccine that Bill Gates is concocting, and it's a good word he is concocting it, um, that uh, they can cut you off. Okay. Um, let's see. Defy employer mandates. Okay. Well, now what if the employer mandates that you have to have the vaccine or you're going to get fired? Well, you don't take the vaccine. You're axed. Now, why would an employer do that? Well, just just think about well. Let's move down. Let's let's think about doctors, nurses, pharmacies, medical assistants, certified nursing assistants, etc. What do they all have in common? They're all licensed under the state. Okay, they've all taken tests to get their licensure, and the state owns us. Basically, I'm a nurse. The state owns me. There are certain parameters that I have to obey right now, and I agree with these parameters, you know. And if I don't obey them, they can revoke my license or take it away or fine me or I'll do all three. Um, okay, so what about, um, oh, let's say that you're working for a company. Let's say General Dynamics. You're a, you're an engineer and you work for General Dynamics. Well, <laughs> who's the biggest purchaser of items from General Dynamics? The government. Okay, so the government could mandate to General Dynamics, okay, we want all your people to have your to have the vaccine, and if you don't, we're going to cut off your money. We won't order anything from you anymore. Okay, um, anybody that has a contact 
contract with a state entity or a government entity. It's going to be under the government or the state's control, and they're going to be told what to do. And if they don't do it, the money's going to get cut off, or licensures are going to be taken away. Um, um, let's see, under state and federal tax codes. Oh, yeah, what's to stop the IRS from coming after you if you don't take the vaccine? Um, they've been, IRS is notorious for being vicious when it, when you get on their bad side. Same with, geez, the, the Franchise Tax Board in California makes the IRS look like a bunch of choir boys. And the same with the tax board up here in Oregon. You know, the they're much more strict than the, than the feds. The feds will give you a chance, for goodness sakes. The states will take everything away from you. Um, so you might become the target of um, either the Fed or the state uh, tax um, entities. Um, every license, like I said, is under state control. You lose your license. Um, doc, there's a, there was a thing on Facebook. Um, no, it wasn't on Facebook, or was it? Oh, I don't know. It was a, it was a video about a doctor who was coming out against this new vaccine that Bill Gates is working on. And um, he made the mistake of being interviewed by CNN. Well, you asking for trouble. Are you going to go to CNN and start telling them things, especially if it's something that goes against the agenda, against the, uh, the deep state, you know? Uh, big mistake. I, I wouldn't give CNN the time of day. If, uh, oh, never mind. I'm not going to say that. That's not nice. Um, so anyway, let's look at, um, let's look at, uh, we looked at employers. You know, they can lose money because everybody gets money somehow away from the state or the feds or they have, uh, well, which your county. Or your city you live in, your your zone for a certain area, um, or you know your um, let's just take Walmart for example. What if they didn't want their employees to take the vaccine? Well, all of a sudden, uh, let's say if it was here in Lynn County, Oregon, the county uh, supervisor calls up and says, "Hey, we understand that you know you're not going to require this. Um, let's I need you to come down tomorrow. We need to take a look at um, your the the grant that you have to have your store there." We need to look at uh, the taxes that you paid. We don't think you paid enough taxes. Okay, the government can get really crappy with you if you if you get on their bad side. And if you haven't learned that, well, I hope you never have to. And you listen to me and you just realize it. Um, but what about employees? Okay, um, you don't get the vaccine. Well, we're going to take your driver's license away. <laughs> you know, um, you're you're a menace to society. You know, if you go driving all over the place, you can infect other people. So uh, give us your license right now. Oh, and we're going to call your insurance company. They're not going to insure your cars anymore because you shouldn't be driving. So then the finance company comes in. They say, well, you know what? You're uh, you're not you don't have insurance on your car anymore. So we're going to put insurance on it. We're going to tack an extra two or three hundred dollars a month onto your car payment, which you can't afford because you've lost your job. And you can't drive it because you've lost your license. So it's a, it's a catch-22 that just perpetuates. And, of course, you know, you, we talked about losing your job. 
because uh, the employer fears that if you say no, uh, the government's going to come down on him. Okay. What if you're going to school? What if you're going to college? Well, a lot of you are getting government grants, right? Oh, well, the government grants are going to stop. Um, you're going to be public enemy number one with all your other fellow students because they're all going to follow the narrative and take the shot. You're going to be the guy that refused to. You're going to you're going to walk down the street. People are going to walk down the other side of the street because they don't want to be by you. They're going to fear you. Then they're going to start talking about you. Then they're going to start doing bodily harm because that's the way it usually goes. Um, so you can get kicked out of college. They're not going to let you into high school because you're a danger. You might infect other people, even though they all got the vaccine and they shouldn't get it anyway, right? Um, but you went against the you went against the system, and you know you're you're a threat because you're an example of what going against the system is. Uh, you didn't get the shot, you didn't get sick, and they all got the shot, and maybe they got sick, like this doctor said that we listened to earlier. Um, it's going to make you sicker. Um, putting your kids in school, uh, you didn't get the shot, and you didn't allow your kids to get the shot, so they're not coming to school. Uh, oh, you're not putting your kids in school. You're a bad parent. We're sending social services over. We're taking your kids away. See how this thing snowballs? You lose your children because they're not a, you're not safe parents and they're not in a safe environment. Oh, hey, and um, by the way, uh, since we're taking your license, we're going to take your passport too because, you know, we we don't want you traveling outside the country because you can infect other people or you might bring it back because you didn't get you didn't get vaccinated and this virus is all over the world so uh, we don't want you leaving the country so now you don't have any kinds of means of identification you know you you're walking down the street and a cop pulls you over let me see your ID well I don't have one what do you mean you don't have one well they took my license they took my passport why'd they do that because they didn't get the shot. Oh, you didn't get the shot. Get back. Move back. You're a danger. You know. Then you move back. You know, you move back 20 paces or whatever. Oh, uh, that's far enough. You know, don't move any farther. Or we're going to think you're escaping. You're trying to run away. Um, that scenario. Or, um, you know, or the governor just, just this morning wrote that anybody who didn't take the shot should be put in jail because they're a menace to society. So. Sir, if you come over here and you get into the car, uh, we're going to cover you in this suit and we're going to bring you down to the jail and we're going to process you and put you in this special camp that we have for all the other people that didn't want to take the shot. Hmm, Nazi Germany all over again. Um, Stores aren't going to let you in because you're going to be tracked, like the doctor said in that thing. They're going to track you. They're going to start with your kids at school. Your kids didn't get it. Your kids are going to get kicked out of school. Or they're going to be forced to take it without you knowing it. That's even worse. Um, although if this is something like the Mark of the Beast, I don't know if that will happen. But we don't know. We'll have to see. So you won't be able to go to the store, which means you won't be able to buy groceries. You won't be able to to get anything. You Toilet paper, uh Whatever, you're not going to have to worry about that anyway because you've lost your job and you're losing your house. And, um, you know, and uh, yeah, you can go to the little Johnny Pot that's down on the corner. But, um, you know, everybody does every kind of filthy thing you could think of in there. And you've got more chance of picking up some kind of venereal disease going in there 
than you do than anywhere else. Anyway, um, so see the implications that, that can happen in a society that's not free? And we're not free, folks. We're not free by any means. We have the illusion of being free, but we're not free. And uh, that's why yeah, I'll bring politics into us real quick. You need to get out and vote for Donald Trump. If you don't do that, Democrat gets in, well, then um, kiss your butt goodbye. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. And if you don't vote for him and Democrats do get in, then you deserve it because you uh, you didn't do what was right to begin with. So so science versus a payday, payday prediction. Um, uh, let's look at drugs a little bit. Okay, we were talking about this vaccine that Bill Gates wants. Um, drugs aren't anything to play around with. And I'm not talking about heroin or marijuana or anything like else. We know that those drugs do harm. Well, if you're if you're a realist and you, and you believe any truth, you know that those drugs cause harm. Um, but even the stuff you take that the doctor gives to you, or even over the counter stuff. Okay. Um, I worked in pharmacy for many years, 25 to be exact. Um, I held a license for 25, worked in 23 years in pharmacy. Um, and I worked in a lot of long-term care pharmacies, which means that we provided medications for people that lived in nursing homes, board and cares, um, skilled nursing facilities, and things like that. And um, one of the things you, you realize when you're, you're packing up meds for for the elderly and, and uh, people that are stuck in places like that is that um, they're on a boatload of meds. I think the, I think one person was on 25 meds every day. Okay. You're going, wow, 25 meds. What on earth? Yeah. Well, I said that too, but when you look at something called polypharmacy, you realize what's going on. Now we talked a few weeks ago about the drug companies don't want you well. They don't want to cure cancer. They don't want to cure multiple sclerosis or cystic fibrosis. They don't want to cure diabetes, although maybe they, that one they would go for because they got to start doing something or else they're going to be seen for what they are. Um, but they, the big heavy hitters, Parkinson's disease, they don't want to cure that. Um, even though money has been poured in decade upon decade to fix these things, they're not fixed. They're not cured. And there's a reason for that. It's it's more advantageous for a pharmaceutical company to keep you sick than it is to heal you. If they heal you, you get better and you don't need medications anymore. If you don't need medications anymore, they don't need to sell that many medications. If they don't sell that many medications, the guy that's way up there at the top or maybe the five or six people that are way up there at the top of that drug company don't get their one, two, three, four, or five million dollars that they get every year. It's a problem for them. Okay, it's a problem for the drug company itself because, God forbid, they, they heal people. Uh, what they don't realize is that we live in a sick and dying world anyway, and even if you cured cancer and you cured other diseases, others would come along. Or, even <laughs> worse scenario is, they cure four or five diseases, and then they find out how to create three or four or five more. 
Think about that. Um, with gene manipulation and everything else, what's to say that they can't they can't start creating diseases? Um, Ebola is one of them. Ebola never existed years ago, and all of a sudden, it's it's a threat in Africa and and the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, if it happens to travel by airplane or ship or something and into an American port, it could become a problem here. Um, so, yeah. Just think about that. They could cure diseases and then create more to, to make you sick. And uh, but their their main thing right now is to create is to treat the um, the symptoms so that you don't quite feel as sick as you really are. Okay. Um, I went. Uh, I saw a doctor, a cardiologist, and I had always heard about the maze procedure for for AFib or atrial fibrillation. And oblation and stuff like that. I've heard nothing but good things about it. And I thought maybe this would be a good thing. You know, well, I have something called paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, which basically means that they don't know what causes it and it doesn't happen all the time. Okay. So since it doesn't happen all the time, it's not as threatening as somebody that's in AFib each and every day of every minute, every minute of every day. Okay. Um, so I went in, and, and you know that the cardiologist uh, referred me to this guy that does ablations, or and um, I should say ablation. <laughs> oblation is is a prayer. Um, he does ablations, and uh, that guy did everything to talk me out of it that you could possibly think of. <clears throat> well, you know, I could burn the wrong part of your heart, and the AFib could get worse. And I understand he's got to give me the pros and cons of everything, and I appreciate that. But there was nothing that that guy wanted to say that was positive about it. So, oh, yeah, I might cure it for a little while, and it may come back, and it may come back worse. So I left there kind of disappointed, but figuring that, you know, it might just be easier just to go in every two or three years and get zapped and, and that's it. But, um, anyway, uh, so well, the medication that I'm on is uh, has been out for a long time, and it's a generic, so I pay very little for it. So the drug companies don't make a bunch of money off of me on that one. I think all the medications I'm on are generics. But um, I know I know people that have Crohn's disease, and um, one person is on a um, gets a shot for it. I can't remember the name of the drug, Stellar or something like that. Every time he gets a shot, it's uh, it costs somebody. He doesn't pay for it because he's got good insurance. But um, somebody's paying for it, and it, basically it's something like I think eight or ten thousand dollars a shot. And he gets it, I think, two or every two or three months or something like that. But even then, that's four times a year. That's forty thousand dollars. Drug companies are making, you know. Um, so their their curing is his symptoms, but not the disease. And that's a nasty disease. Crohn's is it really is. Basically, your body starts eating your own intestine. And um, and I really feel for people that have that. I really do. Having the the uh, the problems I do in my digestive tract, I I'm I'm kind of thankful for myself or what you know, that my symptoms aren't like that. It's, I just feel for, for people with Crohn's and, and ulcerative colitis and things like that. Um, they don't get the reprieve that I get from time to time. So, um, 
anyway, so polypharmacy, uh, what is it? It's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. I want to see if I covered everything when it came to the last subject. It looks like I did. Um, polypharmacy is, poly means many and pharmacy means basically pharmacia or drugs, so many drugs. And there's, um, let's see, I think there was an example um, here. It's kind of a definition. Um, let's see. It gives an example. Con uh, consider an 85-year-old woman prescribed amitriptyline, 50 milligrams for bedtime for insomnia. Common side effects of this medication in elderly patients include constipation, urinary incontinence, dizziness, dry mouth, and dry eyes. To treat the side effects of this medication, a prescriber may initiate docusate um, and senna for the constipation, uh, oxybutynin, which is also called ditropin, for urinary incontinence, and eye drops for dry eyes. Here, the prescribing of one therapy treats insomnia results in a total of five medication therapies. Okay, that's basically pharma, pharma, um, polypharmacy. Um, another example would be um, <clears throat> there's a drug class that works really good for, for people that have um, edema because of heart trouble. Usually if people have something called um, CHF, congestive heart failure, um, their heart doesn't pump that well. Um, that with that much force, so they give them a drug that causes their heart to pump with force, but still it doesn't really make up for it. Actually, there's two or three medications. The oldest one is digoxin or digitoxin, and um, it makes the heartbeat slower but harder, and um, causing the blood to, to travel farther down into your legs and your lower, lower parts of your hands and stuff. And not to pool as much as it would if you if you didn't have that medication, because if you force the blood down there, the blood's going to want to come back up, right? And uh, many times when people have that, they're they're told to stay home and keep their legs up because that helps out a lot with edema. But um, another way to treat edema is with a um, a drug like Lasix or furosemide. It's a, they, a lot of you, you might call them water pills. They're called diuretics. And what they do is they cause the uh, basically cause your kidneys to go into overtime and to <clears throat> to work harder to eliminate um, the extra water that's in your body. But there's one bad thing about furosemide is that when it's pushing all that water out, it's pushing your your electrolytes out. So you're you're actually losing more potassium and calcium and magnesium and things like that, which means that they have to monitor those levels and uh, most people that are on Lasix eventually have to go on potassium because their potassium levels get too low. And if your potassium levels get too low, then your heart starts beating. Um, it starts beating fast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, potassium chloride is what they use when they, they kill people. Um, uh, you know, um, capital punishment when they, they give them drugs to kill them. They just they give them other drugs to sedate and stuff like that, but the potassium chloride they give them a lot of it. It causes their heart to slow down until their heart finally stops, um, and that's what kills them. Um, 
But getting back to what we were talking about, you, you deplete the uh, potassium when you're taking LASIK, so you got to take potassium tablets. Uh, there's a small example of poly, polypharmacy right there. Okay, um, so it's basically giving you one drug which causes five or six after, uh, side effects which have to be treated with other drugs. And boy, do the drug companies love that, you know. Um, if I was going to tell you to buy stock, I would tell you to buy stock in a company that makes potassium pills. Um, any kind of electrolytes, actually. Um, and, um, and, and, and and companies that make things for uh, constipation. Because most of the, a lot of drugs cause constipation. And uh, so, but, um, you know, don't, personally, I... I don't trust the stock market that much, and um, it's every time I've gotten into it, it's done me wrong, and I haven't learned my lesson yet. Um, so uh, let's see. There is one polypharmacy that I would consider good, and um, well, there, there's several actually. Um, let's just say that. Uh, uh, the doctor gives you a prescription for, oh, I don't know, let's say morphine. Let's say you just got really bad knees or you have chronic pain and he gives you a prescription for morphine. Um, now, he can give you a prescription for regular morphine sulfate, and you know, but that comes with what's called peaks and troughs. In other words, you know, you take it, it works good for a while, and then it stops working, and then you got to take it again. And a lot of doctors will always tell you that, you know, when you get to that peak um, and you're supposed to take it every four to six hours, let's say four hours, take it at three hours. That way, you know, you don't get that that drop. Well, that could run into some problems because some people like older people, their kidneys don't work as well or their, or their livers and they don't eliminate drugs that well. So that kind of leads to a toxic situation where there's too much morphine and, and basically you can overdose on morphine. Well, and, and you, t you look at your average heroin addict, you know, they, they get used to the dose that they've been on or they've put themselves on. And after a while, they just keep taking more to get that high. And a lot of them don't even take it to get that high. They just take it to maintain normalcy. Okay. Um, there's a really good movie out there called, or it's a documentary and it's called the um, something Express. It's a um, not Percocet Express. It's um, I can't remember it later, but it talks about these people that um, that go down. And I don't think this happens anywhere. I think Florida is really clamped down on this. But it used to be you could go to Florida and doctor shop, and there would be doctors that you could find if you asked in the right places. You would complain that you had a bad back. They do a fake M MRI or provide one that was taken for somebody that had a real bad back. Then they would prescribe you maybe a thousand um, Roxyset or whatever. And you take them home and people would take them home and they'd sell them. And this was happening like in Tennessee and um, in that corridor, the Tennessee Valley and up the East Coast. And it was becoming a real problem. People were overdosing all the time. And I remember one guy, when they were interviewing him, he says, I don't take this drug to get high. He says, I take it to feel normal. 
In other words, he's been on it for so long that when he doesn't take it, he goes into DTs or detoxes and he feels bad or he'll sleep his whole morning and most of the day because he doesn't have his fix. But if he takes the drug or snorts it or whatever he does, he uh, he feels normal again. So they don't necessarily take it to get high. They take it to feel normal or just to feel not bad. <laughs> it's hard to explain because I, I don't know, you know, how that feels. But um, but anyway, what, I, what I'm trying to get at here is that um, for an opioid overdose, they have a drug called naloxone. And you've probably heard about it because they talk about it on the news now. A lot of police officers are carrying it with them and. A lot of medical professionals carry it with them, too. And if you're, say you drive up at 2 in the morning after a party or something, and you see some junkie, and he's laying out in the parking lot, and you go over there, and, you know, you realize he's overdosed. Well, you could take this naloxone, and they have it in different forms. They have an injection, or you could, they have a little nose spray, too, that you can shoot up somebody's nose. And it actually, what it does is, um, you got to understand how drugs work, but, um your body has receptors for just about everything you can think of, okay? It's got uh, receptors. It's even, It's got LSD receptors. Your body does. I don't know why God made us that way. It's got uh, receptors for um, you know, another one that's like LSD that the body produces. But uh, it's even got marijuana receptors, believe it or not. And um, so um, think of uh, a puzzle where... Certain pieces will only fit in certain places. If you've done a jigsaw puzzle, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, each piece will only fit in a certain area. Well, that's what receptors are like. And each drug has its own shape, and each receptor will accept that shape only. Okay, so the, like the receptor for, let's say, uh, heroin or, yeah, let's just say heroin. It's, it's shaped a certain way, and... The hair will only fit in that receptor. And receptors are in between nerve impulses. And um, and that's, you know, what governs our whole body, basically, are nerve impulses and pain, and pain receptors and stuff like that. But um, so what the naloxone does is it mimics the, um, the heroin or uh, any opioid, actually. And it fits into those receptors so that the heroin can't go in there. It can't be used. Makes it inert, basically, null and void. And um, and that you'll, you'll find that if you give it to a person, that all of a sudden they, they snap out of the overdose. They, they start breathing normally again. They start becoming lucid. You can talk to them. And I've heard stories about people doing this and then these people getting mad because, one, they were enjoying the high, or, two, they were trying to kill themselves. And you ruined that for them. <laughs> so... Um, but I would rather have somebody mad at me for ruining a suicide than I would uh, watching them die somewhere, you know. At least you're giving them another chance, and maybe that person's going to need five or six hundred chances until they finally realize that they need to get saved and come to faith in Yeshua. Um, but uh, and, and and when you get come to faith in Yeshua, it's easier to, to come down off of this stuff and to recover. Um, I know you probably there's probably people out there that won't believe that, but trust me. From personal experience when I was a teenager, it's true. Um, he can cure you of nicotine habits, uh, alcohol dependencies, and everything else if you let him do it. And um, anyway, so um, when it comes to this vaccine that uh, Bill Gates is pushing, 
Um, we, we were listening to that doctor, or I was, and I was reading what he was saying. Um, and I love Italian. Boy, it's such a beautiful language. You think Spanish is nice? Italian is like like uh, Spanish on steroids. It's just, it flows so nicely. Um, but anyway, um, getting off on a rabbit trail there. But um, So there's speculations that this thing is going to have something in it that they'll be able to track you. Um, I don't know how they would do that. Uh, there, other people have said there's nanobots included into it that uh, will actually be malevolent to your body and will, will attack your body and make you make you more susceptible, like the doctor was saying, uh, make you more susceptible to getting sick so that the next time the common flu comes around, man, you're a goner. And... Um, if you've ever heard about the Georgia Guidestones, maybe you haven't. Um, there's a group of people out there called the Illuminati. They're, they go by the other names, too. Um, some people call them the elites. The deep state is a big part of the Illuminati agenda. And like the doctor said, it was it's planned 2020 um, that they, they've got on the table to try to implement all this stuff. And, and I've heard that uh, Trump has put a big... Uh, uh, big wrench into their works to where now they're they're moving it back and calling it Plan 2030. I don't know how true that is, but I do know that he's um, he's really been a thorn in their side, <laughs> and the fact that he's still alive is a miracle. But um, <clears throat> um, the Georgia Guidestones, if you read it, it's kind of like the Ten Commandments for the Illuminati and the New World Order. It really exists. I've been there. If you go to Opposing the Matrix on uh, YouTube. You can actually uh, watch the video um, that I took. Actually, it was produced by my friend Jill. Um, I can't remember her last name. It's not doesn't matter anyway because she got remarried. But um, her daughter, um, she had uh, two daughters that they adopted, and um, the older daughter was it was and is an awesome young lady and very good at producing uh, films. Um, and she took uh, the video that we shot and things that I said and blended it into a pretty professional piece of work, actually. But it's on Opposing the Matrix. If you go to YouTube, just type those words in and you'll find it sooner or later and the, the videos in there. And you can see I actually took a video of the Ten Commandments that they have there. And, and the very top one is uh, it says to reduce the population of the earth to 500 million so that mankind can be in harmony with nature. There's a big problem there for you and I and others that aren't listening and hopefully will listen someday, hopefully before it's too late. But um, to get the earth down to 500 million people, you're going to have to kill about 7 billion people. And what better way to do it than to inject them with something that will weaken their immune system so that each and everything that comes along can possibly kill them afterwards. Um they call this thing a pandemic, and I, I tend to agree that it, that's what it is. It's um, it's been designed to for, for many things, but one of them is to see how compliant people are. And boy, I'm telling you, there's some really compliant people out there. Uh, they'll comply with anything that the government tells them to do, and they'll believe anything the government tells them is true. Um, boy, can I tell you stories? Um, just yesterday. Um, or a day before, my wife and I had gone to a restaurant and um, in another town here in 
in Linn County, uh, things are a little more relaxed, and you can actually go into restaurants as long as you wear a mask going in and coming out or going to the bathroom or moving around inside. Um, they'll let you go there and sit at a table and eat and stuff. And, uh, well, um, we had finished, and we walked out to the car, and this older couple, and <laughs> we're in our early 60s, so when we see older couple, we're talking about 70s, maybe early 80s, um, got out of their car, and she went to ask my wife a question, but she's wearing a mask, and I don't know about you, but I can't understand people very good when they're wearing a mask. So my wife naturally walked over towards her, and she threw her hands up in the air like, stop, don't come any closer. And my wife was offended, and she had every right to be, because she was just going over there to listen to what the woman said and wanted to answer her question. And the question was, are they letting you go in and sit outside, or is there a drive through you can go to to get your food? And I think she would have preferred the second choice, to tell you the truth, but there wasn't one. And um, we're running into people more and more all over the place that are so fearful and that they're going to catch this disease that, I don't know, first of all, it's not a disease, it's an infection. But um, they're so afraid that they're going to catch this infection that they're they're doing stupid things, you know. And I understand there's, you know, there's a, a reason to be um careful there's a reason to be cautious you know but my goodness you know it's we're not seeing people dropping dead left and right all around us you know um yeah we saw videos of that in china and part of it makes you wonder if it was real or not um because it hasn't happened anywhere else around the world uh, where people are just standing there looking perfectly healthy and then all of a sudden they just drop and die um but uh People are getting really ridiculous when it comes to this, you know, when when people almost try to walk into a parking lot because you're walking on a sidewalk without a mask. You know, now in Oregon, we can still do that as long as we're six feet apart. Uh, Down in California, you walk without a mask and you can go to jail or get fined. Um, And in other parts of the country, I understand that's the same. But um, but it's, it's really this pandemic is really getting ridiculous and a lot of people are falling for it. And then, um, you know, the Democrats are using it to blame Trump. Well, they they blame Trump if you got up and had a headache, you know. Oh, it must have been something Trump did. Um, but um, it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs. And uh, if they would just um, dish out hydrochloroquine along with Zithromax, you had it on hand in case you stopped started feeling bad, this thing would go away almost overnight. A lot of this is going to go away, I do believe, after the election, um, because it's it's being used as a as a political tool. You got to admit that. If you don't see that, then take the blinders off, please, or throw up the blue pill because it's not doing you any good. Um, but um, this this. Um, vaccination that they have coming up um i'm telling you right now that if they require it at work and if they say take this or you're fired well i'm going to be looking for another job because nobody has a right to do that to me i um i practice safety i practice i wear a mask even though i don't like it even though i have asthma and it really makes it hard for me to breathe i wear a mask for other people not for myself 
there was this knucklehead on uh, Facebook, and I think, I think I actually got through to him. He was complaining about people who were complaining about wearing the mask. And I wrote to him, I said, I'm a nurse. I said, and I wear the mask for people like you. I don't wear it for me. I said, if you want to be fearful and worry about getting it, I'm wearing it for you because I don't want you to fear me or being around me. I said, and I said, when you can explain to me how a virus, which is 0.02 microns in size, can can be you can be protected from it by a mask that only protects down to 200 microns in size then I'll start wearing them but until then just accept that I'm wearing the mask and leave me alone you know and he answered he gave me a thumbs up on Facebook I couldn't believe it I was like wow maybe I actually got through this Michigana and um, so anyway um, yeah I, I will not take this vaccine no matter if they, you know, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of churches are going to, as much as I hate to say it, a lot of churches are going to talk people into taking it. And if you go to church and your pastor talks you into that, go to another church, please. Now, being a nurse, I'm not going to tell you not to take the vaccine, even though I believe it's going to, well, how do I explain this? Because I know it's going to do you harm, but you have a right not to take it. You have a right to react to your fear and and to and to take this thing that they're going to try to inject into your body you have a right to do that but you also have a right to to think about it you have a right to to research more and to make an informed decision don't let the press make the decision for you don't let the democrats make the decision for you please 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 god gave us all brains he gave us all the ability to be able to look things up, to look at the pros and cons of each and everything that there is on the face of the earth. Please, I beg of you, look into this thing. Look at who's promoting it. A guy that wants to kill off much of mankind is promoting a vaccine to put into your body. Democrats are, provo- are promoting it. Um since when have they cared about their populations? They only care about getting reelected. Um, Trump made a, a, a speech one day where he said that uh, he's not taking the vaccine when it comes out. He uh, he was a proponent and still is for the hydrochloroquine as if mycin mix. And that should be a clue right there for you because if a antibiotic and an antiplasminid is being used neither drug being effective on viruses, then what is this thing? Okay, you could look back. I did a whole uh, radio show on it. Um, well, several of them, actually. And um, and also there's, um, there's a connection, I do believe, with uh, 5G technology and this virus. Um, if you look at radio waves and you see what radio waves do, they vibrate, okay? Some of them vibrate at a higher frequency and others vibrate at a low. It's called a wave. Okay, a hertz is a wave. A hertz, rather, is a wave. And hertz go all the way from ultra-low frequencies, which are dangerous, to, you know, we're we're talking gigahertz, and uh, they even have terahertz out, um, which means that uh, within a matter of a second, this wave has moved up and down um, a trillion times. So, 
um, you know, and you have microwaves and other things like that. So, but um, but if waves, well, look what a microwave does. What a microwave does is it excites the the um, the atoms or the electrons or the molecules, I should say, in the food. It, it excites them so much that they rub against each other and create heat. And that's how a microwave works. So if waves can do that, it is possible for 5G, whatever whatever hertz they're using for 5G, to open up cell walls. And if you can open up a cell wall that's impermeable to many things, including viruses, the virus has to basically trick a cell into letting it in. Um, so if... Uh, if something can trick your cell into opening up to let it in, um, uh, that would explain why areas like Seattle, much of California, uh, the big population areas of New York and New Jersey, um, other large population areas, are all of them having implemented 5G. That's where all the bad uh, COVID cases were. You got an area like uh, where Eric lives, Eric from our show. South Dakota, I think they have one big city in South Dakota. And um, South Dakota did so good during this COVID scare, this pandemic, that they never really shut anything down. They never really ordered people to wear masks or anything like that. And they had very few, if any, cases of COVID there. Uh, what's missing there? Population. What's uh, they're not concerned with putting 5G in places that don't have small, I mean, in places that have small populations. They're concerned in putting it with, in places that have large populations. And isn't that interesting? Because if you can kill off a city, it's a lot easier than killing off, you know, Farmer Ted that lives 10 miles away from Farmer Bob and and uh, who lives five miles away from Farmer Joe. You know, um, it's hard to, to kill off people that live that far apart. But, man, people live on top of each other. You put that technology in there and, bam, you're opening up cells you're and, and allowing this virus or whatever it is to get in there and infect people and kill them. You know, and, I'm, folks, you got to realize I'm not the smartest person on the face of the earth. A lot of you probably agree with that, especially those of you that um, don't agree with some of the stuff that we, we talk about. But. Um, and if I can figure this out, so can you. You know, I know that a lot of our audience is as smart and probably smarter than I am. Okay? You're probably smarter than Jim, probably smarter than Eric, or equally as smart. And if we can figure it out, you can too. Um, don't let other people make decisions for you. Make them yourself. Even the stuff that we come out with, examine it. Research it. Look at it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord, hey, is what these guys saying right? You know, it, you know, it sounds a little off. Is it right? Well, it might be a little off because it's so far fetched from what you've been taught all your life that, yeah, it is going to be a little off. Or it just might be off. And we've always told people, if we're, if we're wrong, you let us know. Tell us what you think, and we'll look at it. And if you're right, hey, we're going to get on the air and say, hey, this person said this, and we were wrong. Done it before. Go back and listen to some of the shows. We've done it before. So in any case, um, please be careful. Please, 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 please think about what you do, especially with what they're telling you to do. 
If the government's telling you to do it, think twice about it. If Big Pharma's telling you what to do, think three times about it um, before you do it, um, if you do it at all. Um, if your doctor says something to you that doesn't sound quite right, you know, get a second opinion. Please get a second opinion. Um, you might find a doctor that's totally opposed to what that first doctor told you, and he might be the one that saves your life. But please do not make bad decisions based on the fact that you don't want to research and you're just going to believe what somebody tells you. Okay. You know, when I was, a, um, when I was a young man, um, we were always, I used to get mad at the hippies cause the hippies used to say question authority. And I was always brought up to respect authority. And, and, um, and back then perhaps it was a good thing to respect authority for the most part, especially with your parents and stuff. And, and still you should probably think twice before you spurn their, their, uh, authority. But, um, when it comes to the government, when it comes to people that say that they represent science and scientific, scientific studies and everything else, well, you know, think that a lot of these people do what they do so they make a paycheck. Uh, they don't come up with results, especially if they don't come up with the results that the government wants. They don't get grants. They don't get paid. So, um, is there bias? Yeah, there probably is. The bias to get a paycheck, um, a bias to be able to have their own house and, and not, you know, a lot of people are unscrupulous. You know, they, they'll do they'll do or say anything that somebody wants them to say, whether it be under a threat or it be under um, mammon, you know, getting money for, for lying. I mean, I look at our society, my goodness used to be back in the 40s and 50s if you took money for lying man you you went to jail for that you went to you were spurned by your neighbors and by society nowadays geez if you don't do it you're questioning why you didn't don't do it you know and um so please i think with the brain that god gave you okay and if you don't believe in god think of the brain that evolved into you <laughs> even though you're wrong about that but think with it and and, and question authority. Question when something doesn't seem quite right. Okay? I mean, if, if you're an atheist, you've already done a lot of questioning. And you've came to the conclusion that God doesn't exist, right? So why did you stop there? Why don't you just keep looking and see if the government's right about things? You know, it's... I know a lot of people that don't believe in God that question the government. And they do right and rightfully do so. Um... And if the World Health Organization comes out with it, it's usually the opposite of the truth. Same with the CDC. John Hopkins, oh my goodness. Used to, I used to revere John Hopkins. Now I revile them, man. They're just, they're just nothing but an um, Illuminati um, shill, a uh, mouthpiece for the New World Order. Um, but think about it, folks. If they're telling you that you come from apes, that you evolved from apes, and you think about the fact that most mutations are, 99.999% of mutations are harmful or deadly to the organism it happens to. So that leaves, what, 0.0001% of mutations actually could be something that could be beneficial. And look at the complexity just of the single cell. 
organisms. They're, they're just like little cities <laughs> running all over the place. The bacteria that, that make you sick are very, very advanced. Um, and, and the cells in your body and the different systems that you have in your body, how many billions, trillions, I, I meant 10 to the 14th power maybe of mutations would have to happen for that to happen naturally and by on its own. You know, for me, that takes more faith than believing in a, a God that said, hey, I want this to happen, and it happened. You know, um, it takes, I, I see evolutionists and I see scientists as having much more faith than I have um, because I can explain with one word, and that word being Yahweh or God, why everything happened and why everything stays in motion and why everything doesn't just fly apart. You know, if electrons are positive and and um, and the atom itself is negative, why don't the electrons crash into the into the into the um, nucleus? You know, and just destroy everything. It's because there's a guy out there. There's a there's a god. There's a um, a savior out there that holds it all together and keeps it running. And uh, one day he's going to say, "Hey, I don't want to do this anymore," and, and uh, everything's going to be be destroyed and he's going to make everything new and boy if it was tomorrow that would be nice um but um anyway i'm gonna kind of close this out and go to bed but uh my my plea to you is think think in question and don't be hoodwinked okay they want to hoodwink you many of you are hoodwinked already you've been hoodwinked so long that you think everybody that everything that everybody says um, that has any kind of authority is right. You know, I've run into pharmacists that have a master's degrees that were wrong about things. Um, the doctors that I talked about earlier, wrong about things. You know, just because a person has a piece of paper hanging on their wall that said they went to school for six or seven or eight or ten years doesn't mean that they possess all the knowledge in the world. And they can be wrong and quite often are. So question everything. Get second opinions. Ask people around you who have had things happen to them. Um, talking medical-wise, you know. Um, I get online. I get on forums. I'm on a forum for AFib and have made a lot of determinations, not by what the doctor has told me, but by, by things that people have gone through and have solved problems on their own. I learned that there's a third kind of AFib, that there's a vagal response AFib. Doctors are still telling me it doesn't exist, but it does, because everything that I've done that these people have suggested that they've done that work works for me. So you can tell me that something doesn't exist, but if I do what these other people have done and it works for me, then it must exist, right? So I'm looking forward to the day when I go to a cardiologist and they admit that the vagus nerve can cause AFib. <laughs> I'm going to say I knew that back in 1991. Um, glad, glad that you finally caught up, Doc. You know? No, I probably won't say that. You insult doctors, then they start, they have the power to make your life miserable. Oh, that's another thing. When you go to the doctor, be careful what you tell them. Okay? Doctors write down everything, everything that you say. They write down, 
Um, if you go in there and tell them, I was having a bad day and I was depressed, you know, don't expect to that not find symptoms of depression on your chart. Yeah, you were having a bad day and you were depressed for one day and you're diagnosed with symptoms of depression, you know. Um, or you know, just be careful with the words that you use, okay, because doctors are trained to write down everything, and rightfully so, because everything could mean something. But um, I remember I had a relative that went to a doctor, and at the time they were going through quite a few things, and uh, every time she this person would go to the doctor, um, the doctor would start questioning whether these things were real or not, and they were real. And he wrote down hypochondriac in the chart. No, this person was not, wasn't a hypochondriac, had real problems with physical pain and stuff like that. But the doctor, you know, a lot of doctors have bad um, bedside manners. When uh, my first wife, when uh, she had a stroke at one time, and we went in and out. Remember, she was from Mexico. She didn't understand English very much. She, uh, enough to uh, working knowledge to be able to survive in this country. And um, because she came from Mexico City and uh, her heart problem that existed, uh, her, her brain was actually a little smaller. It was basically like that of a 70-year-old. Okay, didn't mean that her cognitive uh, faculties were gone. It just meant that because of lack of oxygen and stuff, her brain had just become accustomed to that living in Mexico City, which there isn't a lot of air there to begin with. And um, so you have this woman that basically just experienced a, a TIA, trans ischemic attack. You call it a mini stroke. And this doctor, this female doctor of Asian persuasion, um, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking Asians, but they tend to be blatant, uh, tell the blatant truth and be quite um, blunt when it comes to talking sometimes. And and she walks in and she goes, oh, I was just looking at the scan. Do you realize you have the brain of a 70-year-old? Well, what did you think that did to my wife? You know, it just sent her into a big panic. So I told the doctor to get out of the room. And me and my pastor talked to her for about 20 minutes, assuring her that there was nothing wrong with her brain, that she could think normal, she could deduce normal, she could um, come up with conclusions and everything else in a normal way, just like everybody else. But because some stupid doctor had a bad bedside effect, um, you know, bedside manner, um, she did more harm than she did help. And I reported her to the uh, ER um, head doctor because that was unnecessary. You don't walk in and tell somebody something like that. You know, a lot of it had to do with uh, she was young and she was stupid and, you know, and didn't have any social skills whatsoever. You know, and what's a person like that doing in medicine? I mean, my goodness, come on, man. Oh, anyway, I've spoken enough. And by the way, I love Asians. Wonderful people. And, um, but like I said, um, just like um, different ethnicities have different mannerisms, one that Asians have is they're, they don't beat around the bush. They, you know, they just say it like it is. And I respect that a lot of times, most times, but not that time. Um, 
So anyway, with that, everything having been said, I'm going to reiterate one more time. Be careful when it comes to this vaccination. Think twice. And um, just know that I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> no matter what the lot may come out to be. Um, I may end up living in my car. I may end up living with uh, with a relative that did take it. And um, although I can't think of one right now that would do that. So we all might be living under a bridge somewhere. Who knows? But uh, until that day, we're going to continue on with opposing the matrix. And we're going to keep having shows like this. And we're going to talk about what's the truth, what's a lie, what to do, what not to do, and, and how to use your brain to, to to, to make proper decisions and proper come up with proper uh, conclusions and solutions. So um, anyway, with that having been said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and end. It's been almost two hours anyway. So, well, the Lord bless you and keep you and protect you. May make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he give you peace. And always remember, behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Um Dwell in unity with your loved ones, with your brothers and sisters in the Lord, if, you, if you're a believer. And if you're not, well, consider that. Okay? Anyway, goodbye. Adios, amigos. Um, good night. And uh, buenas noches. And uh, buena noche. And, and have a uh, wonderful week until we meet again next Monday, or maybe sooner if... Uh, that the Lord leads. So anyway, good night and God bless.